1: prize picks will match your first deposit up to a hundred dollars just visit prizepicks.com play 100 and use code play 100 that's code play 100 at prizepicks.com play 100 for a first deposit match up to a hundred dollars prize picks daily fantasy sports made easy
2: What is going on, everybody? It's Monday, and uh, welcome to the NHL Stochastic Strategy Show. I don't know what I'm saying. I'm you your host. I didn't even know we had a show until last night. Uh, we we got the schedule. I was looking. I was like, yeah, I think just Tuesday and Thursday. And it's like, why? Why are we scheduled for Monday? Yeah. I
3: I mean, I just have like a little, like a, a an analog schedule that I just have beside me that I, mean, I keep track of. And I, I looked ahead and I didn't have this date marked. And then thank God you said something to me last night because uh, <laughs> otherwise I wouldn't have been researching the slate as much as I had this morning. So I appreciate that. I think this is our last Saturday or Monday show of the year.
2: Yeah, so, so we have three, three this week, two, two next, next week, week and three the week after. But I think it's...
3: No, you're and that's Monday, Tuesday, Thursday. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Okay. All right. So yeah, uh, second to last Monday show. Uh yeah. I,
2: I wasn't expecting I looked at the schedule last night, I was like, thank god I looked last night because I had a lot to you this morning. But I got researched. We're going on make sure to spike uh smash oh I see it froze. Am I froze my phone. No, here I am. Am I frozen?
3: I can hear you now, but it was a struggle there for a good 30 seconds.
2: Did you refresh your router? I don't know. Um, but, yeah, um, here I am. We are sponsored by Bet365. We'll have a, a you guys in a little bit wild, wild six-game slate today. Um, let me reset my – internet again. I might drop off, but I will be back. Uh there we go. What's up fellas? What's up ladies? Got my pink cup with a J on it. Six game slate, lots of big totals. We have Florida with a big total. We have Why am I freezing? I'll be back.
3: Yeah, okay. I'm going yeah, I'm going to take off uh from here. Josh is is going to uh, try to figure out his internet. Uh, we do have a big six game slate, as he said, um, as he also said, hey. um, make sure to uh, click that like button, click the subscribe button. Those things all help us out. Um, you can get into the Stochastic Hall of Fame as well. Uh, Stochastic Hall of Fame is where uh, we celebrate uh, our subscriber success. And if you want to do that, uh, these are the steps you have to take to get into the Stochastic Hall of Fame. You download the Stochastic avatar from stochastic.com slash avatar. Place in the top three of a contest with at least 5,000 contestants. If you're playing NHL, I think that's just the quarter arcade in the dime time. Uh, You tweet those wins to the Stochastic Hoff account. Uh, And if you do all that, you can win a free month of Stochastic Plus Platinum. Uh, You can only win win one free month per year, I assume, if you're you're placing in the uh, top five of uh, 5,000-plus contestants. uh, Regularly, you probably... Uh, are doing well enough uh, without the stochastic membership, but so only once per year. Uh, but make sure to send in those screenshots to the stochastic Hoff account over on Twitter. And real quick, again, just want to give a shout out to Bet three six five for sponsoring uh, our show here today. And I see Josh is back.
2: Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what's going on with my internet. It was completely fine right up until the show. Reset my routers unplugged and replugged in my Ethernet. I don't know what's going on here, but uh, six game slate. Let's get into it before I, you know, fall off again. First game, Montreal Canadiens with a three total. Heading into low, the Sabres have a 3.9. Tage Thompson is a game time decision. That Would change things. I know Casey Middlestat was up with Tuck and Skinner at practice. Tage Thompson plays. This just adds another really, really good line to the slate with some Florida lines. And we have Colorado and Edmonton late hammers with huge totals. Canadians have a three total here. Raphael Harvey-Pinard coming off a three-shot hat trick, which buried me on Saturday. But they're not getting too much ownership here. Eric Comrie's in net. Buffalo's not very good defensively. I, I like both sides here, but like if you're if you're choosing between expensive lines, like Buffalo one, Florida two, Edmonton's and Colorado's, I'm not sure how high up the list you'd make the Sabres in one lineup. Albeit, it's a very very good spot.
3: Yeah, I, I mean, so much just depends on Taze Thompson, right? Like that. It, it's not like we're. Waiting for news on some thirty-seven hundred dollar winger. Um, Tae Thompson is an eight thousand dollar center, uh, one of the most expensive players on the slate here tonight, and obviously with the season he's had thus far, uh, very important to the slate. So it it changes a lot what what we what we might recommend or wouldn't uh, depending on t- whether it's Thompson or whether uh, it's Middlestat. I mean, first of all, at least on DraftKings, Middlestat's a winger. So, if he's in, that top line is three wingers on DraftKings, which that presents, as, that presents its own problems. Um, the other thing is that Middlestat's $5,100 cheaper, uh, which means if Middlestat is in and you do decide to go with that top line stack, uh, I think it's like a $16,000 line, roughly, um, as opposed to 21000 plus with Thompson there. I mean... You know, a night like tonight, that's the difference between, you know, punting your defenseman and playing Kale McCarr.
2: <laughs> it's a pretty big
3: difference. So it's really hard to say what to do unless we know what he's saying. Like, if Thompson is in, it might be my favorite spot on the whole slate for a variety of reasons. One is that Montreal top line is not good defensively. I mean, they have been a little bit better in their very recent games. Um, so, you know, they're still below average, but they have been better, but you know, the recent stretch hasn't really been super tough. Like they've been playing playoff teams, but you know, two, two games against Tampa, Tampa's not looked that good for like a month now. Um, you know, they did have that game in Boston, but then, uh, you know, Columbus, Florida's, you know, a super high paced team. Pittsburgh hasn't been playing that well of late outside of maybe like five forwards. So hasn't really been a brutal stretch for them. Um, but it would still make a really, really good matchup for the top line going up against Suzuki and company. Not only that, but Montreal's penalty kill is still really, really bad. Like that's one thing that hasn't really gotten better this season. It's the penalty kill. And they are, they do take way more penalties than the league average, like not like way, way more, like not Arizona levels, but you know, above average in that regard. So it is a tremendous power play spot for Buffalo as well. Um, I do have some concerns. Obviously, if Tage Thompson doesn't play, that's one concern. Uh, The other would be just how healthy he actually is if he does play. Because ostensibly, they're still in the playoff race, right? Like, I think at this point, we're probably not counting them in. But a win tonight puts them only four points back of the final playoff spot. So, like, they're still kind of chasing. So, I, I suspect as long as Thompson can skate is that he'll play. It's just how effective is he actually going to be if he does? the other thing is Rasmus Dolan. Um, That's something that I brought up in our discord earlier today. Like, you know, Rasmus Dahlin, there has been hints that he's playing through some sort of injury. And you can kind of tell by the way he's playing as well. Like he's not skating and turning as well. Not that he was like an elite defensive defenseman, but he's getting regularly styled, <laughs> like every game it, it appears. Uh, and the, Uh, shot generation and uh, scoring chance creation numbers have really taken a dive this month. Like a big dive, like amongst the worst on the Buffalo blue line type of dive, which is not where he was through the first 50 plus games of the season. I think there might be some merit to him playing through a, some sort of injury here. So you have a declining, you have declining performance from Dolan, uh, at least in terms of shot generation and scoring chance creation. Um, You have, a questionable Tate t- Thompson. And even if he's in, how healthy is he actually? I think there are concerns with the Buffalo top line and like, they're not playing super heavy minutes of late either. Right. Um, that's another concern. So, you know, a lack of, of high end minutes, um, Tate Thompson being questionable, Rasmus Dolan's play declining pause, probably due to injury. I think, but, um, would leave lots of reasons to not play Buffalo, but then the reasons to play them is really low ownership, right? Like <laughs> our projected ownership on that top line, if Paige plays, is 3%. It's a six-game slate. Montreal is still one of the worst defensive teams in the entire league. If I can get that line at 3%, I think I might risk it even if Thompson's at like 80% and even if Dolan's only at 85 or 90% or whatever. I think in this matchup, it's still worth it If it was, like, an 11-game slate, I would say, well, maybe there are other spots. And there are still other spots. Colorado and Edmonton are on this slate, right? Like, there are still other – Florida and Ottawa. Like, there are still other spots to go to. But it is really a tremendous matchup, both at 5-on-5 and on the power play for that Buffalo top line. Like, if Tasia's in, I'm going to be pretty tempted to play them. The thing is, is, like If you're playing a lot of lineups, you have to have two sets of lineups. You have to have one set with Tejan and one set with Teja, especially with middle stat being a winger and that line being three wings on DK. So I would just make sure you have a backup plan if you are going with Buffalo one, but there's other than health, there's no concern for me matchup wise from the Montreal side. The question is what to do with the Buffalo depth, right? Because You know, if plays, the second and third lines are probably going to be fairly similar to what they've been and not the exact same. Um, You know, Quinn, Cousins, and Turka have been generating a lot of late. I was looking at their numbers since the trade deadline. It's been about three and a half weeks. 4.4 expected goals for per 60 minutes, 3.9 actual goals per 60 minutes, five on five. Problem is, is like, if Thompson's in, none of them are going to be on the top power play unit and you definitely want guys on the power play against Montreal, but with how relatively cheap they are, like they're under $12,000, they can get there without, you know, significant power play contributions in this particular matchup against Montreal. It's just, they're coming in with pretty heavy ownership, right? Like I'll bring up our top stacks tool real quick. Uh, This is Buffalo two under 2% top two stacks, 7.4% ownership. So there's negative leverage on them. In fact, amongst the most on the entire slate here tonight. So I, I get, if you don't want to play an over-owned Buffalo, but it's still a, a tremendous spot for that Buffalo second line. It's just what to do with that Buffalo top line. I, I, I Like it, you can't say exactly what without knowing whether Thompson's in or out, but I think given how short the slate is and how heavy the ownership could be on other spots, other high-end spots like Colorado and Edmonton. Like I suspect there's going to be a lot more ownership on Colorado and Edmonton than Buffalo here tonight, even though Buffalo's in a great matchup just because of that ownership reason. I think it's enough to overcome my injury concerns that we might have at Thompson plays. on the Montreal side. <laughs> um, frustrating game on Saturday. Uh, you and I, we're talking uh, with other people about the slate and, and things like that and what players to play heading into that slate. Uh, we were on the Gurianoff and Druan line. Out of eight goals, they put up 4.3 DraftKings points combined, two shots in one block between the three players on eight goals.
2: They had such a good matchup, too. They were going up against Rosalvik and Ken Johnson.
3: I mean, any, any, any matchup against Columbus is a good matchup, but yeah, they didn't get there. Um, but they are still, you know, generating a fair bit of offense. I was looking, um, you know, only 45 minutes with Duran and, um, with Duran and Gurianov together without Josh Anderson, but 3.1 expected goals for North of three point North of three goals, actual goals per 60 minutes, five on five. Like they're still generating quite a bit. Uh, so I do like that Montreal second line, but it's this it's the same problem as with the Buffalo second line, is that there's a lot of ownership coming in on them because they're so cheap. It's one of those lines that can fit in with an Edmonton power play stack or with a Colorado power play stack or something like that. So I do worry about a lot of ownership, but if you're gonna play anything but Montreal's top line tonight.
0: Did you miss your deadline to renew your Medicaid coverage?
3: You're gonna. There's just going to be higher than expected ownership just because of the other teams on this slate and the price that they are in this matchup. That's just. It is what it is. So, you have to decide whether you want to play, you know, the super cheap guys here, or go look in other games, maybe like you know the Islanders or Seattle, where they might come in a little bit lower on. But I will say that line is still generating. They they are. It's that simple. Um, The top line is where things really get interesting. (laughs) Because they are generating, but at about a league average rate, two and a half expected goals for per 60 minutes. Um, the difference has been shooting percentage, scoring 4.6 actual goals per 60 minutes. So a really high shooting percentage is something that you know Nick Suzuki's lines typically have had for the last couple of years. He, ha- he is good at setting up teammates on dangerous passes. They just don't generate a whole lot. And they're kind of in that no man's land range at 14200 on DraftKings where, you know, you can play, you know, a floor, some sort of Florida stack if you're not playing Kachuk for, a, you know, roughly the same price. Like I said, there are Islander stacks you can fit in at that price. So I don't particularly mind the Montreal one matchup because, you know, the Buffalo top line, as good as they are offensively, you know they trade chances. They really do. Like it, there's a reason why they're allowing over four goals or over uh, almost four goals for 60 minutes at five on five over the last month. So, I you know there is reasons to play the Montreal top line, especially with how bad Buffalo's penalty kill is, and you know Montreal's power play has looked better since Mike Matheson returns. So, I do think there are reasons to play the Montreal top line. I just think there are other other lines across the slate in that price range that I would rather play because they honestly do not generate a lot. It's not one of those things, you know, sometimes there are games where Matt Kachuk won't have like four points or whatever, but he'll post two assists in like eight shots or something like that. And, you know, the peripherals will get him to value. That's not something that will happen with this line. Harvey Penard either scores, you know, two goals or, you know, has a goal and two assists, or he just doesn't do anything. <laughs> like, it's pretty much – it's it, it it's not that binary, but it's pretty close. So It's,
2: it's that binary.
3: Yeah, I just think with other uh, similar lines that I like in that price range, there are just other spots I'd rather go.
2: Yeah, on Rafael Harvey-Pernard, like, for a hat trick, he had the minimum hat trick bonus on DraftKings. He didn't get a shot bonus. He got the points bonus because he got a hat trick, but he had three shots on goal. He was shooting 100%. Like, if one or two of those get stopped, he barely hits value because he's not exactly cheap. So, like, with DraftKings, I'm looking for shooters, and he's just not one. You know what I mean? Like, he's he might end up being a good player, but he has something like 15 shots in his last – 11 games or something like that so like he has to score when he shoots which he might but long term i'm gonna fade that output and i feel bad because people asked me about him in discord before that game i said no i'm not playing him i think you can leave him off the stack and bing bong hat trick but you know he's a long-term fade you have to deal with the short-term results Florida Panthers with a 3.7 total heading into Ottawa. The Senators have a 3.2 total. Sergey Bobrovsky is confirmed. Mad Sogard is probable. Kachukis are going to be facing each other today. Maybe they fight each other. Who knows? But um, Panthers going with – let's see if I got this right. Barkov, Duclair, and someone – I know the second line is Lundell in between for Hagee and Kachuk. Who's up on the – is it Luce Duranen? Yeah. The, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. And then, you know, Senators running status quo here. I think Julian Gauthier might be out, but that doesn't really affect the top six. Um, I didn't see definitive news on uh, Chikrin, but I think he's out as well.
3: Yeah, he might be done for the season. They said at least a couple weeks.
2: Yeah, so – Okay, so I don't know what it is, but like maybe it's just his line mates. I have not been a big fan of the Barkov line this year. I want to go to whatever line Kachuk and Verhage on. And now they get Anton Lundell at center. So Bennett's out. I think Bennett's the ideal person to be that center. But you saw with E2 Lusterinan in between them that they still produced a lot. And E2 Lusterinan is a very defensive-minded center now. Uh, Anton Wandel is an offensive minded player, he's had a very rough season. But if the point here is if Verhegi and Kachuk bring E2 Lusterein into the fold for DFS, like I have a hard time imagining that Anton Lundell is going to hurt them offensively. I think that line's going to be a little bit better with Lundell than the Ryan. and especially in this matchup, they're not getting a ton of ownership. There are tons of spots on this slate, like I like both sides here. Because Florida is very high event. I think this is probably the most important game on both sides on the slate. I like the Florida second line. I like the Ottawa top line. It's just you're going to have to pick something. You're going to have to fade somebody for making one to three lineups. I'm making one lineup. And, like, between Colorado, Buffalo, Edmonton, Florida, and Ottawa, I'm having a tough time. So maybe Cliffy can guide me. Yeah,
3: yeah. I kind of agree with you that Barkoff hasn't really, really been that great um, of late. What I will say, or this season, at least not to his standards, what I will say is that he does have 21 shots on goal in his last five games, starting to come alive a little bit, which is nice to see. Um, shots had been a little bit of an issue for him. Um, Anthony Duclair being next to Barkov, I think changes quite a bit because those two have a sample going back to last year playing pretty well together. Um, now the thing is, is that they played a lot with Carter Verhage, and obviously Barkov and Verhage is a pretty dynamic duo. So I think it's fair to say that you know maybe Barkov and Verhage were doing a lot of the heavy lifting, and Duclair was just kind of the beneficiary, but. I was looking at the numbers without for and they're really, really good. 165 minutes together for Duclair and Barkov without Verhage over the last two seasons, 3.7 expected goals for, for 60 minutes at five on five, 4.8 actual goals shooting under 11%. Like they're beating the brakes off the opposition. And that's something that's, it's that uh, like most of those minutes were last year, but it's relatively the same this year as well Uh in just 60 minutes. 3.7 expected goals for, 3.8 actual goals for in 60 minutes together for Barkov and Duclair. So those two have been really good together going back to last season and in a small sample this year. If Duclair wasn't there, I would agree with you, and I would just go right back to Verhage and Kachuk, Florida too, no questions asked. With Duclair on the top line, it kind of changes things because, like you know, they you know him and Barkov do play pretty well together. Um, you know, Lusarainen's a, a nice player; like he's a, a guy that contribute. He's not somebody that needs to be carried. So I don't think it's necessarily that bad of a line. And going up, you know, they'll match up quite a bit against the Ottawa top line. I don't think it really matters because I was looking at the Ottawa lines basically over the last month, and their defensive numbers are. Virtually identical. So I'm not that concerned about what the matchups are. Um, But you're still getting only um, Barkov uh, on the top power play unit, right? That's the concern here. And it's because Ottawa is one of the most penalized teams in the NHL. 3.6 times shorthanded per game. Only Arizona takes more penalties per game. Uh, And the penalty kills typically not been that great. Now, it has been pretty good of late, I will say, but it's typically not been that great this season. And you only get Barkov on the top power play unit from the top line. So that would be the thing that would keep me away from Florida one. It's not necessarily how they played. It's the fact that um, you only get one guy on the power play unit, and it's a really good power play matchup for them. So... uh, it's a long-winded way to say that I think I agree with you. I would go back to Florida too because you do get Kachuk and Verhage. Like we've talked, I don't know, in a dozen shows this year about how good that line has been this season. Um, certainly not any different um, with Lundell there. Lundell and Kachuk together. I, w- I was showing the charts in our Discord, but it's absurd. Like it, it, they're they're in t- the entire offensive zone looks like a bloodbath when they're on the ice because they're just generating so many shots with Kachuk uh, and Lundell. So um, I do like, uh, I don't mind having Lundell there because I think there's some offensive juice and he's he's passable offensively in that sense. I don't think it's necessary to play him. If you want to just turn it in, into a power play stack and just go Barkov or Hagee Kachuk, I think that's perfectly fine here. But I do think both top lines are in play. You know, all things being equal, I would rather take the second line. I, you know, I, you get two guys on the top power play unit and there's a longer sample this season of Verhage and Kachuk playing that well together. Um, but I think they're both very much in play. Question is what to do on the Ottawa side, because Ottawa moved Giroux to the top power play unit last game. Now, whether that sticks remains to be seen because they have changed things up at times on the power play this season, uh, there was a time where I think Stotzla went to PP2 for a couple games. And I don't feel super confident that Giroux is going to stay on the top power play unit. But if he is, all of a sudden that line is perfectly correlated. And what we mentioned on the last show was that line's entire problem this year was shooting percentage at 5-on-5. Five five. And it's turned around in the month of March. From the month of March, they're shooting 11.8% at 5-on-5. Five five scoring over four goals per 60 minutes at five on five. Brady Kachuk has 30 shots in his last five games. He's averaging six shots a game. So, uh, you know, in, in that stretch, Tim Stutz was playing over 23 minutes a game. Closure rules, like 19, 20, 21 minutes a game, especially now that he's on the top power play unit. Um, they're, The problem is they're going up against that Florida top line, Florida top line with Ryan and Duclair there is probably going to be pretty good defensively. Obviously, Sergey Bobrovsky is nothing to be feared in net, though. And Florida, while not as penalized as Ottawa, isn't very far behind. They're like fifth in time shorthanded per game this season. Um, penalty kill has been getting a little bit better, but still not that great. So I really, really do like the Ottawa top line. If you want to drop down to the second line, I think it's fine. But they're coming in really over owned. Bathurston's off the top power play unit. It's a really good power play spot. I think I would just stack the top line. And they're not even that expensive at 20200 And, you know, with Colorado and Edmonton and, you know, even Buffalo on the slate, I double digit, like low double digits might be the highest we see them. And that's pretty good for a six gamer. So I really, really do like Ottawa one uh, in this matchup. So Ottawa one, Florida two, but really Florida power play for me out of this one.
2: Yeah. Ottawa second lines are really missing Josh Norris. Like that really affects like drop like for DeBrinkat dropping from Josh Norris to Shane Pinto is a big drop off for Alex DeBrinkat. So yeah, I agree. Ottawa one for me, Florida two. You can go to Florida one. You can go to Florida Power Play. Plenty of things to do there. Before we move on, we have a ten dollar super chat. I didn't forget about you, Provious. Said ten dollar donation to upgrade Josh's internet. Decent day yesterday on a few lineups. Thanks for everything you guys do. I'm on the edge of, uh, like, regular service and satellite service. I was streaming um, John Wick yesterday because you said you saw John Wick 4 in the theaters, which we're going to talk about next week. We're definitely going to carve out a nice little spot for that. But I'm re-watching the other three just to get ready for it. And my internet yesterday, like, every three minutes it was, like, calculating, getting the Wheel of Death going on the TV. So... I have to have perfect weather conditions, one cloud, orange, red. My internet just blows. It's like, so, it's like
3: having a satellite dish in 1999 or something.
2: Yeah. yeah. One drop of rain, my, my internet will disconnect. But thank you very much for the super chat. Appreciate it. Um, wish my internet was better. But if I re- remember to reset my routers.
3: Should and sh- shout out Provious. He had a really good week. Uh, like, yeah. see, like every night I was checking Discord, in, or every morning I was checking Discord to see what happened the night before, and Provious was like, well, went 8x last night, or, oh, well, you know, 6x, or, oh, went 12x last night. Like, he had a pretty good week. So appreciate the $10 super chat. Let's hope we can finish strong here in the next few
2: weeks. Yeah, I always have to scroll when I wake up because he works overnights. So that's a good time to sweat hockey. Be like, sorry, man, can't, can't do my job sweating the late night. Vancouver Canucks. <laughs> I'm up. Yeah. Don't, don't get me wrong. I'm up no, watching you. The, the Vancouver Canucks just kill me. As we mentioned off the hop, if you heard me, if I wasn't disconnected, we are sponsored by Bet365. Uh, and the best way to take advantage of the books, get free money with their great promo offers. And we have a very, very good one for Bet365. Click the link below in the description to take advantage. It's the best offer we've ever had. Bet one dollar, one, just $1. And get $365 in bonus bets. Obviously, you have to deposit that $1. Um, And the bonus bets winnings are added to the bonus bets balance.
0: Did you miss your deadline to renew your Medicaid coverage? You can still send your completed annual review form to Healthy Connections Medicaid. You may be assigned to another health plan.
2: There's time limits and exclusions apply. But all you got to do literally is sign up, make a deposit, bet $1 on anything, uh, and you will get $365 in bonus bets. I use Bet365 a lot. It is one of the books available in New Jersey. This this deal is available in New Jersey, Colorado, Ohio, and Virginia. One thing I use Bet365 for, there's two main reasons, because – One, I use Odd Shopper to shop for the best lines, and Bet365 has the best lines in these two things. NHL goal scorers, anytime goal scorers, they usually have the best lines. And MMA money lines, they usually have the best lines. So if you're into betting NHL or MMA or any sport, really, sign up, get 365 and bonus bets, and we'll go on your way. Let's move on to the next one, here. New Jersey Devils with a 3.1 total heading into Long Island. That I mean, I, I've made my my piece about going into Long Island. It is a miserable experience. They have a 2.9 total. Vitek Vanacek is probable. Ilya Silkorokin is confirmed. 7,200 Ilya Sorokin, by the way, on DraftKings. Is it a trap? I don't know. But it um, looks like Timo is going to be with uh, Nico Heischer and... Yes for Brat again, unless, yeah. I saw the Amanda Stein. She's like, I don't know what the lines are going to be, but here's the lines. And then it was Hughes. I don't even know. <laughs> well, it we was, have in the lineup builder. It was,
3: was Hisher, Hish- Meyer, Brat, um, Hughes, Mercer. That's what it is. Yeah. So. Okay.
2: That being said, I don't really like stacking against Sorokin, especially when it's at home. But, like, the Islanders aren't very good defensively. It's just a matter of what, if Sorokin can bail them out. Now, Sorokin, one of the front runners for the Vezina, he's probably going to be a top-three finalist. But you're getting this devil's line around one and a half two 2% here, just because they have the lower total of all these other teams. They're pretty expensive. They're fully correlated. The power play has not been great. But eventually it's going to come together, whether it's tonight or not. I think, you know, if you're making 20 to one fifty. I think being overweight to the devil's top line is a good play. You don't need much to get over the field here. If you have like four or 5% New Jersey one here and hoping, you know, you, you beat the, you know, when they're not chalk and and they have that big game and you're like, Oh man, I missed it. I think, you know, trying to get that, big game at low ownership could be tonight. So in, especially in MME, I think you can get over the field pretty easily here and hope it's their big game on the, uh, on the Islander side. I just, there's just not much that I really like here. If you want to, you know, go Nelson Palmieri, I think that's fine, but like, they're not exactly cheap. Like Palmieri's up to 4k Nelson's 6k. Like, if you're fitting in these big boys, like you're going to have to use, you know, like a Pierre Engval or drop down to like J.G. Paggio, but he's off the top power play. You know what I mean? So, like, I don't know how much interest I have in the Islanders tonight.
3: Yeah, I don't really have a ton of interest in the Islanders. Certainly not the top line. <laughs> yeah. We are cracking jokes in the Discord, but like, uh, Bo Horvat's been on a little bit of a skid of late he's still generating is the thing. He has no, he has no goals in his last 11 games, but he has 39 shots in that span. So he's still putting up three and a half shots per game. Like it's not as if the, the you know, he's just not generating anything like percentage crashes like that. Obviously there's some luck involved, but I also think there is passer quality that plays into it. I don't think it should be, you know, really shock anybody that if you have a better passer on your line, like say Matthew Barzal or, you know, a Mitch Marner in Toronto, or if you're on a power play with say an Elias Pedersen or something like that in Vancouver, maybe you can shoot at a higher shooting percentage. If you're playing with Hudson Fashing and a 38 year old Zach Parisi, you might struggle to shoot 15 or 16%. So I don't, Obviously, Horbat's not going to shoot 0% for, you know, forever and ever. But can he get back to the level he was in Vancouver uh, until Barzal returns? I think that's a pretty fair question to ask. So, I, I mean, I'm not playing him with Parise and Fashing. I don't have any confidence that line's going to stay together for 60 minutes. I really don't. And, you know, you only get one guy on the top power play unit. Um, Horvat's been in, in, a, in a pretty brutal stretch. Like it's, is a weird player because I was looking at some of his micro stats, nothing really stands out, but his play driving stats are really good, which usually one leads to the other. Doesn't always, but usually it's, maybe it's just a small sample playing, you know, playing with numbers. But, um, it is worth noting that Fashing, a lot of his time came in the bottom six playing with JG Pajot. So how he plays on the top quote, top line with Bo with, uh, Horvat, I think is a uh, an open question. There's no sample of that line. Obviously, Parise and Horvat haven't played much together. Like I said, Fashing and Parisi played together, but it was in the bottom six. It certainly wasn't in a top six role like this. So I don't think they're going to be very good, but by the same token, they're not going to be put into a heavy matchup, right? Um, Lee Nelson and Palmieri, the second line, went out, or not Lee Nelson and Palmieri, um, Engvall Nelson and Palmieri, sorry, went out against the top line of Buffaloes on the weekend. So I suspect that'll be what happens again here today. So you're going to see that Brock Nelson line going out against Hischier and Timo Meyer. That's pretty bad news for them. <laughs> um, uh, Hischier and Timo Meyer haven't played a lot together since Timo got there, but in the minutes they have played, they're at 2.1 expected goals against for 60 minutes of five on five. Unfortunately, they're getting 760 goaltending behind them. So, you know, there's been some goals against, uh, but they're playing. They're dominating the play. Uh, 60% shot share when they're on the ice. Like they're really dominating the play. So, I don't feel too too good um, about either side of that matchup, really. And you know, I don't feel good about uh, Bo Horvat's line at all. So, I think if anything on the Islanders' side, it would be Nelson Palmieri and Angball. Um, like I said, if anything, because they're going to get probably some heavy minutes, you're going to get a couple guys on the top power play unit. Um, you know, uh, Nelson Palmieri, they haven't looked bad with Engvall there, pretty small sample, but 77 shot attempts per 60 minutes in nearly 60 minutes together. So they have been generating, you know, Brock has 24 shots and five goals over his last 10 games. So he has been scoring as well, but, um, you're really just banking on the New Jersey Devils goalies falling on their face is the problem. And I, I just hate relying on that. So if anything, it's a Nelson Palmieri-Engvall line, but I don't think I have a ton of interest in the Islander side. On the Devils side, don't really have a ton of interest either. Um, that Engvall, I imagine that Engvall-Palmieri line is going to be pretty good defensively in a, in a bigger sample. Um, they have been in a small sample. I imagine it's going to be the same in a bigger sample. Uh, we just saw them do work. Uh, against the Buffalo top line on the weekend. Buffalo only scored two goals in that game, um, which is uh, you know pretty shocking um, that Buffalo you know only scored two, but didn't allow any. So good for Buffalo. Uh, I don't know. We don't know that these are the New Jersey long combinations they're actually going to go with. And they went 11-7 in one of their games on the weekend, 11-4 at seven defensemen. It's something that they could do again here tonight. I think that's something that Amanda, the beat writer said. So, um, that is a little bit of a problem. There's also the problem of Jesper Bratt being moved all around the lineup. Like he's played on three different lines over the last three games. Um, they're really trying to find the combinations that work, and they still haven't gotten there yet. Um, I'm going to be out on Timo and his year. One, I think it's yeah in single entry. You know, if I was playing 50 lineups, that would probably that'd be a much different story. In single entry, I, I just think going up against that Engvall, uh Palmieri shutdown line plus you're facing Sorokin, plus it's not a good power play matchup. They absolutely can get there, you know, and there is good leverage on them. I wouldn't begrudge anybody for playing them in any kind of format. I just think, you know, why play this line at 2% when you can go play Buffalo 1 at 3%? You know what I mean? Like, it just doesn't make sense to me. So um, I'm out on New Jersey 1. The Hughes line is where I think things get interesting because once you get past that Palmieri line, there aren't really matchups that I'm worried about. On the on-under side of things, um, Hughes and Andre Palat have been pretty good together this season. Um, 3.4 expected goals for four and a half actual goals for, um, you know, Dawson Mercer is the third man on that line. He's on the top power play unit now instead of Brat. Um, the problem is, Mercer, after that severe hot streak, he's been on a little bit of a cold streak of late. He only has five points his last 10 games, under two shots per game in that stretch. Um, but he is on the top power play unit. Um, I think at the least a one-off Jack Hughes makes sense going against the pretty soft matchups that the Islanders are going to offer after that Engvall line. Um, but if you want to do like a two man of like Hughes and Mercer to get some power play correlation, I think that's just fine. That's about the only thing that I, I that is really appealing to me in like a single entry three max format.
2: Yeah. And with, you know, Pierre Engvall, the Leafs really could use a bottom six player like Pierre Engvall. <laughs>
3: I, I'm not going to get into that because I, I I just I just don't want this to come blow up in my face if, if the Leafs do, actually do win the first round in a month. So. Uh,
2: I'll, I'll take it on the head if the Leafs win in on the first round. I will be – I'll have some pom-poms going for playoff time, anti-Leafs. I'll throw on a Kucherov jersey, which means I'm just taking my shirt off. Seattle Kraken with a 2.9 total, heading into Minnesota. The Wild have a 3.1 total. Philip Grubauer, Marc-Andre Fleury are confirmed here. This is an interesting game. Uh, Interesting in the fact that it's not interesting. Like, there's two pretty good defensive teams here. Two pretty bad goalies. Like, Marc-Andre Fleury's had a pretty nice season. He has not been the better goalie on this team. Wilder missing, obviously Cappers off, so Marcus Fellino's up on that top line, who is basically a boat anchor wrapped in a road cone at this <laughs> point. Um, Marcus Johansson on that second line with Eriksson and Boldy. Like Johansson's had a bunch of assists on that line, but like he really hasn't played that well. And, like, they're they're getting a Seattle team that have three pretty good lines. Just their goaltending is awful. So I don't, like, I don't know how much on the Minnesota Wild side I really like. Because you you see Boldy and Erickson Eck coming in almost double digits. They're not very cheap. They are on the top power play unit together. It's just if you're looking to get in these really expensive spots, like, you're not going to be able to fit Boldy and Erickson Eck but if you're going to make a mid-range build without these top guns, one, it feels bad. Two, there's some obvious lines that you put in, right? Like, And this Joel Erickson Ek one feels like one of them. I, I think, if anything, I'm going to go to the Seattle side here. Side note, Ely Tolvanen scoring two goals against Nashville. That was just – I was hoping he was going to get the hat trick. But if anything here, like maybe go back to like a one-off Tolvanen. He's under 4K on the top power play, but like really from a single entry standpoint, I don't have much interest on either side. The more lineups you make, obviously you can get to more stuff here.
3: Yeah. I don't have a ton of interest um, on the Seattle side. There's a number of reasons for that. One is um, the ownership is a little bit high. I I mean, it depends what line you're going to play. The only line that really has ownership concerns is that Bjorkstrand line, but it is that line that's cheap enough that can fit in with a Colorado stack or an Edmonton stack or something like that, right? So um, Bjorkstrand, Gordon Tolbin, have been playing pretty well since the trade deadline, even if they haven't played a lot together, as Bjorkstrand's been moving around the lineup a little bit. But um, the problem is, they're, as it has been with Seattle all season, is they're shooting 15%. Um, If that's 10% instead, there's, we're probably not even talking about them. So um, that's the problem is that they're coming in over on and they're riding a pretty hot percentage right now. So
0: did you miss your deadline to renew your Medicaid coverage? You can still send your completed annual review form to Healthy Connections Medicaid. You may be assigned to another health plan. But you can ask to come back to First Choice within 60 days of renewed Medicaid eligibility. It's your family. It's your choice. First Choice is the right choice. Renew and choose us. Visit selecthealthofsc.com slash renew to learn more.
1: It's Chevy truck season. And with the Chevy Silverado, there's no such thing as an uphill battle. With the Chevy Silverado, you can take on the mountains or you can move them because with impressive coin capability an available 13.4 inch diagonal touchscreen and a choice of powerful engines to pick from whatever you're mounting, there's a Silverado with the capability you need. Click to learn more. Find new roads at your local Chevy dealer.
3: You know, Tolvan and Bjork, Bjork Strain are both on the top power play unit. So that'd be one reason playing, but it's a pretty bad power play spot. Minnesota's penalty kills been on a slide, but it's typically not been bad this year. And, you know, they're pretty much league average in time shorthanded per game. So it's not like it's a really good power play spot for Seattle, which is a shame because that top unit has, is something we we brought up last week. The top power play unit for Seattle has come alive over the last month, which is not something that they had through the first four months of the season. Um, But it's not a tremendous power play spot for them. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I was looking at, and you know, they might get some shutdown matchups too. I was looking at the way Minnesota's been using their line since Kaprasov got hurt. They're basically using when they're at home, they're basically using their top six against the opponent's bottom six, (laughs) which means um, I don't know exactly how that's gonna match up, but certainly the McCann they're gonna avoid the McCann Beneers Everly line, which has been pretty good defensively this month. I think they're gonna avoid the Gord line as well, which has also been pretty good defensively this month it could mean pretty good matchups for the Minnesota top six. Um, And Erickson, Eck and Boldy have been better with Johansson. Like I I have to say, I was really skeptical about Marcus Johansson. going. I have not been a big Marcus Johansson fan for a number of years now. And I was pretty skeptical that he was like, quote, their big splash at the trade deadline or whatever. But the line's been really good since he got there. Uh, they're over 120 minutes together now, by the way, which is a sizable sample. That's about 10 games worth. Full games. Um, 3.1 expected goals for. 4.1 actual goals for. Um, they're playing 17 to 20 minutes. depend. You know, Johansson at the bottom end because he's not on the top power play unit. Boldy's started to shoot a lot more. He has 22 shots in his last five games. It's... You know, the Seattle penalty kill has been fine, but it's typically not been very good this year. You want Kapras off, obviously, um, for the power play. I don't think it's totally necessary. I don't mind that Boldy line. I, like I, I, like you said, they're probably going to end up in a lot of lineups that don't have, like, Colorado one or Edmonton one or something like that. But I wonder if Grubauer's starting instead of Joey the Cord. Um, kind of scares people off. I guess we'll find out, but I don't mind that Erickson line with the way that they've been playing and they should get good matchups against Seattle. Uh, I am definitely not in on that, on that Arvin Zuccarello, Felino line. Uh, I, the numbers without Kirill Kapras off there, uh, like with Kapras off there, shots go up 34% and goals go up nearly 40%. It's, like, without him there, they're, I don't think they're playable. Um, so I'm out on Minnesota 1. It's Minnesota 2 for me. On the Seattle side, I think it's just going to the McCampion-Ears-Everly line. But I'm going to be honest. I don't have any interest in Seattle here. Minnesota's been a pretty brutal matchup for road teams basically the entire season. Things haven't really gotten better over the last month or so. Um, Seattle spreads out their scoring as it is, and it's not a good power play matchup. So I think if anything for me in this game, it's the Erickson-Eck line. Maybe the beneers Eberly line, just because they're not coming in with any ownership, like they might come in under 1%. But other than that, I don't have a ton of interest in Fords forwards in this game.
2: Yeah, me either. you excited for MLB to be back on Thursday?
3: You're right, I am.
2: (laughs) I'm not sure how I feel about MLB DFS yet. But we can celebrate the return of MLB with 50% off your monthly stochastic platinum subscription. It's available for everyone, new and existing customers. Click the link in the description below to take advantage of this limited time deal with this offer. You get access to everything Stochastic DFS has to offer, including projections, ownership, lineup generator, and the boom bus tool. It doesn't include Pick'em Pro or Bet Pro. Uh, Those are separate memberships. It's valid from March 24th to April 2nd. I will say I've taken the last few seasons off from MLB DFS, and it has helped a lot, but I do love MLB DFS. I think I want to probably play until my son is born in August, and then I'm just going to try to sleep as much as I can. But make sure to click that link in the description below and get that 50% off, especially with the size of the GPPs. Like, it's it's pretty, like, hockey is pretty similar to MLB from the sense that you got to pick two starting pitchers. It's like picking a goalie. You might as well just blindfold yourself and pin the tail on the donkey. And then, you know, there's that stacking element. So, it is very similar. So, if you are into NHL DFS and have never played MLB DFS, you should give it a try. I'm probably going to play a bunch this year. I don't know what I'm going to do, how I'm going to grind here, what, but like the GPPs are just so attractive outside of NFL. MLB has the best and they have really good structure. So make sure to check that out. Go Yankees. Um, <laughs> you're a blue Jays fan. So we have that natural rivalry. We have top six or we have original six teams in the NHL and we have same division. and We've been, pretty calm about it though. Colorado Avalanche with a 3.9 total heading in Anaheim. The Ducks have a 2.7 total. Jonas Johansson, Juanito, John Gibson confirmed. Uh, Troy Terry away from the team to deal with a personal issue. Hope is hope all is well there. Uh, this is a back-to-back for Colorado, but they ran McKinnon. Nishushkin ran on the top line with Comfort Rodriguez new hook on the second line. The Dennis moved down to the third line with Lars Eller and Matt Nieto. I'm not sure you need to get down there. Not sure what the Ducks lines are going to be without Troy Terry, but I would imagine Max Jones or Einstrom, uh, Trevor Zegris remain together, or at least Trome and Zegris. After that, it could be whatever. I would, you know, maybe with Terry out, Nikita Nestoranko moves up with Mason McTavish, but we don't know. But this is, I, that-
3: I think it's going to be Frank for Toronto probably Frank for Toronto comes back and just takes Terry's spot. I think that's yeah.
2: going to happen. That also makes some sense. Uh, this is an abs one game for me though. The ducks are just brutal defensively. Troy Terry's their best offensive player. doesn't matter what his defensive uh, stats are. Everyone on the ducks is bad defensively. Uh, if they get Strom's egress, they're just going to run them over. Well, they should. Uh, this is a very good power play spot. It's just a question of, do you want to spend for Colorado? Do you want to spend for Florida? Do you want to spend for Ottawa? Do you want to spend for Buffalo? Do you, do you want to spend for Edmonton? This is one of my favorite spots on the night, Colorado one.
3: Yeah. Um. I, I mean, I don't think we have to go into it too far. I mean, there's three weeks left in the season. I would think people know by now just how bad Anaheim is. Um.
2: They almost have a 50-point projection tonight. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Is, uh, yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah, they do. They're at 49.3 points um, for the top line in Colorado. I, I'm pretty sure that's more than the entire Seattle top six. <laughs> so, like, yes, they're expecting quite a bit here. Um, we don't have a big sample from that top line this season because, you know, they've been in and out of the lineup, except for Ranton and, you know, Nuchuchi and McKinnon have been in and out of the lineup pretty much all season. 65 minutes together, 3.6 expected goals for per 60 minutes of five on five, 3.5 actual goals for, obviously they're all playing pretty heavy minutes. Ranton has 22 shots in his last five games. There's no matchup concerns on the NIM side. What I will say is what I mentioned in the discord earlier today. And it's something that we brought up with Vancouver as well. Vancouver's defensive numbers. Once they just yeeted uh, Oliver Ekman Larson to the long-term injured reserve got better. It's like, big surprise when you take a big defensive liability off the ice you're going to be better defensively. Anaheim traded John Klingberg to Minnesota and since then their their defensive numbers have improved substantially. It's like 7 their, their defensive numbers have improved like 17% in 3 weeks without John Klingberg in the lineup. It's incredible.
2: Well, he's awful
3: That's how bad he was defensively and It makes me wonder. It's still not a big sample without Klingberg there. I think it's uh, 13 games they've played without him. So it's not really a lot, like enough to go off of. But it makes me wonder, like, is Anaheim the worst defensive team of the last 15 years as they were through game 60? Or is Anaheim just like a run of the mill bad defensive team. And we get three or four of those every single season. You know what I mean? Like there's a pretty big difference between those two things. There's a big difference between this team is worse than the Buffalo Sabres of franchises from 10 years ago. And this team is, you know, like Columbus last year or something like that. Right. Like those aren't the same thing. And when you're talking about um, Colorado one, and such an expensive line. I think it's important to talk about by the same token there are only 10 games left in the season, right? Like we don't have a lot to really try to work this out. So I agree with you. Colorado one is definitely in a tremendous spot here tonight. Best positive leverage on the entire slate. And it's not really close. I think they're double what the Edmonton top line is. And it's because of the price, right? Like they're 23,500 on DraftKings. Um, I don't even think, like, I think you can get Kale McCarrie too, two, but then you're just punting everywhere else. So, I don't I'm with you like if I play anything from the Colorado side it's it's the Colorado top line I worry about ice time first of all cuz this is a this is one of those games where you know Nathan McKinnon plays 17 minutes because it is Anaheim you know what I mean like that's something that I worry about the other thing is like maybe Anaheim did get better defensively by trading away John Klingberg like I think that's something that's very pop- easily could have happened so I'm going to be honest. Like I I have no problem playing Colorado here at all, at all. And they're projecting extremely well. I'm just wondering if there's not lower owned high end lines. I'd rather play elsewhere. Like the Buffalo top line we talked about earlier. That's all. Don't. I, I, I don't know what to do with the Anaheim side here because, you know, Stroman Zegers have terrible defensive numbers, but the offensive numbers, aren't bad like they're at least league average which you know that league being league average on this Anaheim team feels like a miracle um you know Zegers is over two and a half shots per game over his last 10 games so he's shooting a little bit I just worry about no Troy Terry like I know he was on the second power play unit last game anyway and they're broken up for a while but he's easily their best offensive player and you take the best offensive player away from a team that has Two good offensive players. <laughs> um, I don't know how good they're going to actually be. If anything, it's that Strom-Zegers line. Um, but I, I think on the Anaheim side, I'm picking one off, so I'm not stacking anything.
2: Yeah, and here's the counter argument to McKinnon only playing 17 minutes. He very well me- he very well may only play 17 minutes because it's six nothing. But the reason he may play more, Colorado very live to win the Central Division after. Yeah being down and out for a while with the injuries, they're probably going to want to win that division. So I don't know. Like if it's a close game, you're going to see McKinnon play heavy minutes.
3: I See, I was looking at his game logs a week ago, 19 minutes against Chicago, 19 minutes against Detroit, 17 minutes against Montreal, 15 minutes against San Jose. You know what I mean? Like, I think there's a legitimate concern. He only plays 17 or 18 minutes tonight. And I don't think they need to be up five, nothing to do it either. That's, kind of the problem here is like, yes, I would agree with you. Like Boston certainly does that, um, with Patrice Bergeron, which is something that, you know, you and I talk about quite a bit. Um, you know, the Chicago game was a blowout. Uh, so was the San Jose game, but Montreal game really wasn't like a huge blowout. Detroit game wasn't a huge blowout. Like they won, but, uh, Anyways, I, I I know I know what you mean. I just think there are ways, you know, that this ends up a three-one Colorado game, and McKinnon still only plays
2: seventeen minutes. You know what I mean? Yeah, just trying to play devil's advocate for a second. Then I got movie, in God. the face by facts. <laughs> Hate when that happens. Uh, Edmonton Oilers with a four-point-three total heading into Arizona. The Coyotes have a two-point-six total. Jack Campbell, Carol Vamelka confirmed both. Top six lines for the Oilers have over a 40 point projection. And Kaylor Yamamoto is on the top line. Not anymore. Lucky Land Casino asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky?
1: In line at the deli, I guess? Haha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. No purchase necessary for We're prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for
3: details. Not anymore. It's has yeah, it's, it's Matias. That, that, that just came out while we were on the show. It's Matias. Matias I can't I can't see that now.
2: He's even cheaper than Kyler <laughs> Kamamoto. Not that you have to play him there. Um, Arizona takes a boatload of penalties. I think they're still the most penalized team or the second most penalized team in the NHL. It's just a question between them and the senators. I think, um, Second line of dry Hyman, Nugent Hopkins fully correlated on the power play. That being said, do you really want a power play full stack of line without McDavid? I think you can add McDavid in there. That will really price hamper your lineup, but so would going Colorado one and McCarr. Um Again, I'm just going to focus on, you know, Kane, McDavid, and then the second line. I think you can mix and match. You can do some stuff there on the coyote side. That top line has been very good this season. Jack Campbell on that hasn't been very good this season. Now the Oilers, outside of the Ekholm pairing, I think it's a little funky. I I like the the Coyotes top line here. I know they're getting about fourteen percent here, but they're way cheaper. <laughs> they're what eleven five, like fifteen and change. They have a pretty good projection here. Now, if you want to get even cheaper, if you're looking to get in, like, Colorado power play, I think going Jack McBain, Matias Maselli is fine here. They're coming in over-owned, but it's only, like, 5 6%. I think there's stuff to bo- like on both sides here.
3: So I was going to be all gung-ho to fade the Yotes here tonight, thinking that they would probably come in too highly owned, and they don't have a high total. It's only 26 total. It hasn't been confirmed, but it looks like Jack Campbell's starting and not Stuart Skinner. It's confirmed. Oh, is it confirmed now?
1: Okay. Yeah,
3: That's what kind of changed my mind is, you know, Jack Campbell's terrible. Like, I'm sorry, but for an NHL goalie, he's – for 15 months now, he's been arguably the worst goalie in the league. Um, he has, what, an 880 save percentage or something like that this season? Not It's not a perfect – not a good, even a good measure, but it speaks out you know, kind of how he's been playing, Um, that changes things. What else changes things is um, Arizona had been using the second and third lines a little bit in a shutdown role, which means they'll probably go out against Edmonton one. And McDavid and Yanmark with Evander Kane would probably be a good defensive line, if not at least average. That's not the case for the second line. Dreisaitl, Rnh, and and Hyman are getting ran over defensively. I don't think people would expect that. But in roughly nearly 100 minutes together, 3.9 expected goals against for that Edmonton second line. 3.9 actual goals against per 60 minutes at 5-on-5. Five five. They're getting torched. Now, they are generating a lot, so they're just basically trading scoring chances. But I think that's something that plays pretty well for that Arizona top line, presuming that they get pr- pretty soft matchups and don't play a ton against Connor McDavid. Um, any top line's going to end up paying, playing a fair bit against McDavid because McDavid plays like 78 minutes a night. But, you know, they're going to get some pretty good matchups against Edmonton too. So, uh, like, I'm kind of on board with you. Like, I don't necessarily want to play Arizona one at like 15% ownership, but I think it's a pretty good matchup at five on five Edmonton does take a lot of penalties not like they're not Arizona level but they're not super far behind uh and the Edmonton penalty kill is not good and one thing we were talking about in our discord earlier was the Arizona forwards are taking a lot more of the shots on the power play now that Jacob Chickren and Shane Gostis Baron aren't there so it does give them some more upside as well um I'm with you I really do like Arizona one um, I think Arizona, two is perfectly fine to play as well. I just think they're coming in with way too much ownership. That's all. Um, they're coming in at like 10, 10x their top two percentage. So it's just the ownership. So it's Arizona one for me. On the Edmonton side, I'm not stacking the even strength lines. It's the power play. You, you, I wouldn't say you have to, but Arizona, you said you thought they were one of. They are the most penalized team in the NHL. 3.8 times shorthanded per game, and the penalty kills bad like just flat out bad. It is one of the best spots Edmonton's going to get, can possibly get uh, for their power play. And Edmonton's power play is one of the best that we've seen in modern NHL history. So um I it would I would focus on the power play guys. And, you know, it, it's really expensive to stack because of McDavid. So if you want to leave them off, I get it, but I would probably still do like, you know, a McDavid, RNH, bouchard uh mcdavid dry sidle bouchard something like that um especially with evan bouchard being $3,500 on DraftKings, there's just so much you can do with the edmonton power play even with a 10k connor mcdavid uh, segue then uh, for our next section because evan bouchard is $3,500 what do you what do you think his ownerships going to be because i think our projections are like 35 or 36 percent i think he's he could be like 50 percent in some contests
2: yeah, if you're getting into 3-max and single-entry contests, he's going to be 40-plus, I would imagine. Yeah, I agree with you uh, with the power play in Edmonton. Sorry about the noise. Little guy starting an art class, but we'll I'll mute my mic as soon as I'm done talking. Coming up after us, we have the odd shop at 4 p.m. with Atan and Eric. That is former ISU caddy, Eric Lindquist. Let's talk about these defensemen. That's a good segue with... Evan Bouchard, who else you like?
3: Yeah, Evan Bouchard amongst the cheap guys. There are a lot of cheap guys I actually like tonight. Um, our boy, the Zub. Obviously, if Chicken's not in, Zub on the top pair with uh, Thomas Chabot could play 20 minutes in a high event matchup for under 3K on DraftKings. I like the Zub. Um, Justin Barron from Montreal, as long as he's in the lineup, we'll see what their lineup looks like. Simon Benoit for Anaheim, he's pretty cheap as well. Don't mind him. Um, if you want to get a bit more expensive, Patrick Nemeth. Plays a lot of PK minutes for Arizona, and they're facing the Edmonton PK. He's probably going to have to block a lot of shots here tonight. Um, Owen Power and Eric Johnson as well, if you want to pay up a little bit more. Uh, The mid-price guys, there are two guys I'm focusing on. One is Jake Sanderson uh, running power play one for Ottawa, obviously. He's more expensive now, and he doesn't shoot a lot, but he does block a lot of shots. So at least there are peripherals that he can offer besides just putting up points. And Gustav Forsling for Florida. He's just straight up playing more than Eric Ekblad per game now. Now that Eric Eckblad's off the top power play unit, Forsling's getting more ice time. And I think he's the better offensive player. So uh, Sanderson and Forsling are two guys I really like here tonight. Other guys in that mid-price range, Eckholm, Ekholm, uh, Mike Matheson from Montreal. For expensive, I think the only two guys I like are Makara McC- and Montour. Um, if I had to pick one or the other, I would probably go to Montour. But I think both are definitely in play here tonight. But I, I, I think given, um, given the you know the wide range of super cheap options here tonight, I, I don't know if I'm going to be spending more than five k on any single defenseman.
2: Yeah, I agree. Unless I'm sp- spending up from a car or even Montour, I'm spending down on defenseman tonight. I think. A lot of people are going to do that. So I think actually spending up for Makar could be a nice way to get a little bit different. That's
3: why I think I'm going to try to find a way to get at least like one of Sanderson or Forsling. Like they're not super expensive, but at least they're in that mid price range where people playing Edmonton one or Colorado one probably won't play them. Yep.
2: Lots of cheap home goalies here. Who are you liking?
3: (laughs) None of them. I mean, Sorokin, obviously. Sorokin's the top of the list, right? Um, I think he's 7,200 on DK at home. Like, I'm going to play him all the time at that price. Um, I want to take a chance on Vemelka. The problem is, it's like it's such a good power play spot. Like, I feel like Edmonton could actually be efficient with their shots tonight. And that's a big concern. So, I'm not super high on Vemelka. I'd probably rather play John Gibson. At 6,900 here tonight. I don't mind John Gibson tonight either. Um, so it's basically between Gibson and Sorokin for me. But if I were to play like another super cheap guy, I would kind of have interest in Jake Allen. Um, you know, if Tej is playing hurt and Dolan's playing hurt, maybe they can't create a lot of good quality chances. So I, I think this is another night where I'm going to be going pretty cheap in that. So it's out, for me, it's Allen, Sorokin, uh, and Gibson. Those are the three guys I'm kind of deciding between.
2: I do like Alan. Would you consider stacking some avalanche against Gibson? Because there is a case to be made that John Gibson's one of the the stackable goalies.
3: I would for sure. I I don't know if I'd put like all Colorado one against Gibson or something like that, but I would play like a McCarr against Gibson or one off McKinnon against Gibson. I'd do that for sure.
2: Yeah, Gibson's one of those guys where he can have 41 saves, give up five goals and still not kill you and have some Colorado guys in there. It's not like you have to like – thread the needle and get the one guy who's going to score. Like right. he's going to give up goals, but he could also easily get the saves bonus. Right. Who are you looking for your hat trick pick? There's a lot of high fire power on Yeah.
3: I mean, there is a lot of high end guys. I don't want to be super fancy. So I'm just going to go with the game that we just talked about. And I'm going to go with a guy that's just been on an absolutely absurd shoot like scoring bender for basically two months now. And I'm going to go with Clayton color.
2: Nice. I'm going to go with one that I think you're going to like, uh, I'm going Claude Giroux.
3: Ooh. I do like that. I like Ottawa here tonight. Me too. You like Ottawa every night.
2: I, yeah, I put, I just (laughs) Ottawa and then figure out the rest, but, uh, yeah, we'll be back tomorrow. Back to back. Cliffy and Josh, I'm going to attempt to, uh, go bald in between shows. Um, (laughs) Not sure how that's going to go, but uh, we'll see you tomorrow. Make sure to click the links in the description. Click that like button on the way out. We'll see you in Discord. Good luck, everybody.
3: Good luck tonight, everyone.